Our last bit of, bit of formality this morning here, we'll stand once more in respect to the reading of God's Word. We'll read uh, five verses of Scripture, 1 Timothy 5, and since we only have five verses and they're separated, I'm referring to verse number 1 of chapter 5 in verses 17 through 20. We'll read in unison uh, this morning here, and I'll try to keep the cadence proper and stay together. So we'll read 1 Timothy 5, verse number 1, and then we'll slide over to verse number 17 and read to verse number 20, and we'll do it in unison this morning. 1 Timothy 5, 1, reading together. Ready? Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Could we read that one more time? Here we go. Ready? Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Verse 17 to verse 20, now reading in unison together. Ready? Begin. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and we'll ask God's blessing one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, this service is just as important as any service we'll have throughout this whole entire year. Lord, I know our crowd is uh, humble this morning, but I thank you for each person that's here. Lord, may we worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. May you be pleased with the thoughts and meditation of our hearts. May you use the word of God to inspire us, to encourage us, to convict us where conviction is needed. We'll thank you for it. I pray you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy 5. In 2 Timothy 3, you need not turn there, but the Bible reminds us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so we're here to be, uh, to hear instruction and reproof and correction if need be. And we want to deal with the people group of old men, I've entitled the message. I could have titled it elders, but I like the title of old men better. And I see Brother Jim just perking up all of a sudden here. But uh, we want to uh, be a little bit low-key this morning. But at the same time, we want, to, we want to certainly teach the Word of God, obviously. And uh, there's profit in this this morning here. So let's take our Bibles and look at 1 Timothy 5, verse number 1 once again. Rebuke not an elder but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Well, it deals with the subject of, again, old men, and I want you to consider, first of all, number one on the worksheet, and you're going to have to fill in, I have listed no screen today here, of course, and so uh, the first R word there, number one, Roman number one, is their role, R-O-L-E, their role. What is the role of old men or elders? The word, by the way, is the same word that we found earlier on in chapter 3 about pastors and uh, the word bishop there, episcopos, but the word elder is the word presbyteros. And uh, obviously we get the president of the assembly from that. Uh, the uh, men of seniority, as we get to verse 17, you'll see it transitions to a specific type of elder, but these are elder men. Ladies, this message obviously is, can be applicable to you as well, but especially older ladies, if I could, but it's mainly applicable, first of all, to old men. The Bible tells us, verse number one, rebuke not an elder. And so the Bible says, don't, the Bible tells us, don't rebuke them. Don't speak harshly to them. 
and don't rebuke them and don't, uh, don't yell at them. It's uh, despicable to see uh, young people and sometimes children, sometimes older children yell at their parents and uh, speak harshly to them. I've seen that happen on a number of occasions. And uh, their role is, they're, they're important. They're elder men, elder men, so don't, don't rebuke them, but let her be. Do respect them. And we respect them because the Bible commands us to, first of all, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Respect them because of their, first of all, number one, because of their seniority. Because of their seniority or their age. Many verses, but I've just chosen two. Luke 19, or Leviticus 19, verse 32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. That's the white-headed man and the gray-headed man. Thou shalt rise up in the, before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and, and fear thy God, and I am the Lord. I was in, sitting in the office on Friday, Friday afternoon, and then elderly statesman walked in. I didn't, never, never met him before. I found out I'd met him once before, actually, but I didn't, didn't recognize him. Some 80-year-old gentleman. He walked in from the back door, and the moment I saw who he was, that he was an older man, I immediately rose to my feet and stood up because uh, there's respect there. And uh, hopefully uh, my generation, you folks that are older than me, you know what I'm talking about. We were taught that way. Most of us were taught that way to honor the ancients. Uh, sadly, the young, young people, let me just pick on our 20 and younger crowd here, our millennials and down. Uh, respect your, respect your old age, respect your seniors. The Bible tells us, commands us to do that because of, because of their seniority. First Peter 5, 5 says this, Likewise, uh, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Respect your seniors and address them right. Uh, honor them right. It's so important. Uh, I uh, talked to mom this morning. Now, just in the female, obviously, uh, gender, of course, I'm referring to. But she's mom. She's not Dorothy to me. She's mom. Uh, some people, my dad calls her Dot. It's her nickname. And, uh, or, or Honey or Hey You or whatever he calls her. But uh, to me, she's always mom. My dad is Marty, but I never called him Marty in my life. I never could call him Marty because he's, he's my dad. He'll, he'll die. I, I don't understand. Man, I know some people use first names in their family, but he'll always be my dad. It's a, it's, a, it's a term of respect, a term of honor, a term of reverence. And so we respect them because of their seniority. But not only is that, uh, by the way, it's not on your worksheet, but let me just insert this. Uh, we live in an age of disrespect. If you want to know the verse, there's plenty actually, but Isaiah 3 5 says, The child shall behave, uh, speaking about this day of apostasy, the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the babe against the honorable. I mentioned it last week, I'll mention it again, it just really stirred my ire. I may not be a fan of Barbara uh, or Senator Feinstein from California, but she is a dignified lady. She's a United States senator, and those despicable, those poor pawn kids that were put up, those 10-year-olds that were put up to, and waltz in her office and, and try to tell her off and try to teach her science. I thought of despicable, shameful. You look pathetic. And I blame the adults more than the, the, teen, the teachers and whoever put those poor children up to that 
task, but I thought it was her finest moment. I felt she handled herself properly and so forth, and they should, those kids should have been run out uh, on a rail, of course. They should have been rebuked, and uh, she handled it with some dignity and probably far more dignity than I would have handled it with for sure. But we respect our seniority uh, because uh, God commands us to because of, because of their age, but also we respect, respect their, our seniority because of the Scripture. We've got to obey the word of God. Exodus 12, verse 20 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, which Lord thy God giveth thee. I know I'm talking to a very friendly crowd and very biblicized crowd, if I could use that word, a theologically correct crowd. But we have many people that do not understand the honor and respect that God commands to parents doesn't say if they're Christian parents or they're, they could be ungodly parents. They could be, um, I, I've used it many times. My, my dad was not a Christian all, for all my life growing up, up until just recent. But, uh, and my dad didn't have, the, to be honest with you, he didn't use the, the proper language like he, he should have used. He used salty language, that's putting it uh, respectful if I could. And uh, there's, there's some negative things that I could, if I chose to, I could think about my father. But I chose many years ago not to do that. The uh, Bible says honor your father and your mother. And, uh, and honor them and pray for them, love them. It's so important. that The Bible commands it. Leviticus 19.3 says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father. Keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Mom told me, uh, she says, uh, she called me this morning, of course, on a weekly phone call, sometimes two, three times a week nowadays. And um, she started preaching at me in, in her mom way that she does. She was reading her Bible about 5 a.m. this morning, of course, and reading about Jehoshaphat. She wanted to tell me about this, how nice it is to have good godly leadership and so forth. And she was just, uh, uh, she's admonishing me about my driving and so forth. And she says, you know, you be careful when you drive and so forth. And once a mom, always a mom. And I, I could have got smart aleck with her. I never do that. I can honestly say, Mom, I've heard that a thousand times before. I'm a 60-year-old man. I know how to drive. Some of you would contest that. I don't. But uh, no, I would never do that because the Bible tells us respect our mother and father. And then in verse Ephesians 6, 2, honor thy mother and father, or thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. I mentioned eighty fifteen. I'll say it again. Mom's going to live, uh, she's going to live to be 100, I believe, with the Lord Terry's. I mean, she's in good health. She's in way better health than I am, quite frankly, I think. And uh, she'll probably live to be 100. Uh, and uh, she always honored her mother and father, my obviously grandparents. And uh, I remember seeing that. And uh, the, there's a Bible promise of long life for those that honor mom and dad. And so, we see their role in verse number one. Uh, let's finish the verse, verse one, before we go on to verse 17. Rebuke not an elder. Don't, uh, don't speak harshly to them. Respect them. Don't rebuke, uh, 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 don't ever rebuke them. Talk down to them. Respect them because of their seniority, because of the scripture. And the younger men as brethren have respect towards the younger men as well. But we're on the elders especially this morning. And so we go on to verse number 17. There's a transition. The verse tells us there's a transition. There's a specific type of elder. Presbuteros again is the word. Let the elders, verse 17, that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor 
in the word and doctrine. So it's obviously talking about what we would say pastors. We looked at the whole message on pastors several weeks ago now. Notice Roman numeral two, their rule, their R-U-L-E, their rule. We saw their role, but their rule. First of all, do welcome their leadership in your life. Uh, the word elder there has the idea of superintendent. Uh, Presbyteros, the easiest translation to remember is president of the assembly. Uh, your father is the president of your family, if you will. Your grandfather is patriarchal, uh, should be uh, president or overseer of your entire family. And uh, the same within the church. You welcome their leadership. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 that God gave some gifted men to the church. He gave some pastors and teachers. And then verse number 11 says of Ephesians 4, verse 12 rather, for the perfecting of the saints, for the mending of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So welcome their leadership in your life. Learn to listen to respect to authority in your life, whether it be the boss at work, by the way, or it be this teacher, by the way, or it be the pastor, or it be that, that elder statesman, especially those that labor in the word. So welcome their leadership in their life. And letter B, do welcome their logic. By the pure fact that they're a presbyteros, an elder, by that fact of their seniority, by the fact that God's given and bequeathed with them with, with uh, honor and bestowed honor upon them, honor the hoary head, the Bible says, that they have some built-in logic, some wisdom. I look at Brother Jim. He's sitting right up here in front of the road keeping me honest here, of course. And I, I, I say Brother Jim, and, and uh, really I really want to call him Brother Sadler because he's so much older than I am. I want to call him by his last name, of course. And, uh, but I think he prefers me to call him Brother Jim and it's hard for me to do that, but he's a brother Sadler to me. But he's got wisdom. He's got years of wisdom behind him. The Bible says, Job 12, verse 12, with the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days, understanding. Now, not all old, old men, by the way, and not all elders are necessarily superior in wisdom. Some are fools. There's many, plenty of verses that teaches that. Ecclesiastes, it's not in your notes here, but 4.13 Better is a poor uh, and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Job 32 and verse 9 says, Great men are not always wise, neither do, they, do the age understand judgment. There are, some old, there are some pardon the slang here, and just being honest with you, there's some dirty old men, there's some grumpy old men, there's some unwise old men, but then there's some wise men, and we shouldn't let the minority, hopefully, maybe it's turning into the 50-50, uh, whatever, but there's a lot of old men that are not wise. But thank God for those elders and men that are wise. And this wisdom comes through three things. Number one, first of all, this elder wisdom comes through lowliness or meekness. Number one on the worksheet there, lowliness. Numbers 12.3 reminds us that Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Was Moses meek when he, when he uh, slew the Egyptian when he was a 40-year-old man? Was he meek then? No, I don't think so. I think he had a lot to learn. I think, you think he was meek, and I'm, I'm, I'm using some conjecture here. Do you think he was meek as he grew up in the palace of the, uh, the, the pharaoh? And as a young man, a mighty man that he was, groomed and then schooled in all the school of the Egyptians and arts and so forth? I think he had some pride. We see him early on as he went into the land of Midian. He had some pride. But 80 years, he finally meets the Lord at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Most of you know it. 
And by this time, he was finally, he had been humbled. Age does that to you. And he walked in lowliness. And when the children of Israel wanted to rise up against him and kill him and stone him, the Bible says he was a meek man. And uh, he probably said, but by the grace of God, go I, and I, I probably deserve what I, uh, the, the way they're thinking about me. Many other verses, by the way, dealing with lowliness or meekness of the elder statesmen. First uh, Timothy 6.11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee what things? Well, uh, covetousness from the previous verses, but follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Meekness is never weakness, obviously. Meekness is strength under control. And uh, it's wonderful to see a man with meekness. Of course, an aged man with meekness and lowliness, it speaks louder uh, to many people that recognize the, the wisdom there. It comes through lowliness, but then wisdom comes through, the, elders, the wisdom of an elder comes through longevity. Let me just paraphrase to tell you the story. In 2 Kings chapter 12, and this is a major, you know, some of the decisions we make affect not only a lifetime, but in some cases when Rainbow made the decision that he made to listen to the young men, you know, his young counselors as opposed to his old counselors, remember the story? That had thousands of, thousands of, thousands, let me preach for a second, thousands of years of ramifications. That split the kingdom of Israel down the middle. In fact, 10 tribes went to the northern kingdom, as you know, and divided Israel for, for over 1,000 years. Think about that. And, and uh, Israel has been cobbled together again and came back in so-called full strength in 1948, we could say, but if we add that up, that's almost 3,000 years or, uh, of uh, messed up because of one man, young, young, young man, not listening to the old man, he listened to the young man instead. You know, most of you know the story. It doesn't need to be uh, dissertation, but it comes through longevity. See, God couldn't use Moses until he was 80 years of age. God used Daniel in his greatest prophecy. We see Daniel thrown in the lion's den when he's an old man. The greatest prophecies of Daniel are after he's 80, 85 years of age that we have. He had some young prophecies, of course. The book covers some 65, 70 years of period of time from Daniel's teenage years to the is probably, we believe, in his 90s. God used Noah when he was 600 years of age. Uh, God used uh, old men in their prime. I always like the commercial. I, they got the new Colonel Sanders. I remember the old Colonel Sanders. Remember that? You old folks who remember the, the old commercial. He was like, I think he was like 64 when he discovered his recipe for fried chicken, you know. And uh, 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 Edison, a lot, a lot of men that made great great accomplishments made them in their older age. Wisdom comes, long, wisdom comes through longevity, living a while. There's something to be, be said for age and wisdom and seniority and life experience. That leads me to the third reason why we listen to elders uh, that have lived a long time and uh, walk lowly is uh, wisdom comes through lordship to Christ. Philemon, verse 9, says, Yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a lot to boast in from a secular, worldly viewpoint. He was, uh, 
He was a rich man. He was born, he went to the highest school of the day. He went to school at Gamaliel. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee of the right stock of Israel, Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and on and on we could go. But Paul in Philippians 3 counted all those things, but dung, he said, that he may win Christ. When Paul was brought low down in the Damascus Road and received Christ as his Lord and Savior, it was then that he received true wisdom, wisdom from above, not sensual, earthly wisdom. And so wisdom comes through lordship, it comes through longevity, it comes through lowliness. But then we would look at the middle part of verse number 17 and notice what it says. It says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Notice, thirdly, their reward. Not only their role, their, their, their rule, but their reward. A reward day is coming. And their reward, the Bible says, that the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And uh, I try not to bring any attention to myself, but it's, it's hard to preach on this stuff without identifying with pastoral things, of course. And, uh, but uh, I feel like I've been honored quadruply, quintuply, quintuply, there's a good word there. I'm sure that's in the dictionary, quintuply. <laughs> that's Marty Schott's dictionary. It's not in Webster's, I promise you, but anyhow. Uh, I've been greatly, greatly blessed, more than doubled. But uh, why should they be honored? Why should pastors, and I think of pastors in my life, I talked to Pastor Bennett uh, on Friday. We're planning on seeing him this week. In fact, Tuesday night we're planning on being with Bennett's in Ohio. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them, of course. And uh, I owe so much to Pastor Bennett. I owe so much to Pastor, we're only with him for two years, but Pastor Swanson in Rockford, Illinois, 94, 95 years of age he is now. And uh, he means so much to me because he, he declared God to me. And that's letter A on the worksheet. We reward them with double honor because he, the wise elder, declares God. And Ephesians 3, 8 Paul said, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, Paul said, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, you go to work and, you know, some of our kids go off to college and they have a professor and not bashing distant professors, whatever ism or theology they teach or whatever they, they do. And I thank God for some teachers in my life, of course. And uh, helped me throughout from my high school, junior high days, even to elementary and up to college days, and uh, people that taught me things. But I, I think of the person that some of the people that taught me the most were men of God, were preachers, were those that taught me what thus saith the Lord and declared the unsearchable riches of Christ and taught me about God. So they should, they, they should be highly esteemed because they're teaching us of the greatest ology or study that there is, the study of God and the, the worship of God. So we ward them accordingly, of course, because they're teaching us the highest, giving us the highest learning that we could have is that learning about Christ and God the Father, of course, and God the Holy Spirit. But we reward them with double honor because he declares God, but letter B, because he declares, he, he rather delivers gold. Um, Psalm 19, verse 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, yea, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Uh, the man of God gives us gold. And, uh, you know, he gives us gold of the word of God. Uh, 
yeah, I can, I can, I'm going to say this. There's a humble crowd. See, when the crowds are bigger, there's some things I have to leave out because I don't want to hurt some people. But I look around this crowd here. I don't think anybody's guilty of this. We have members, if this is a regular Sunday morning, oh, I shouldn't have said that part, but if this is, well, it's too late now. I started, if, if we had a full crowd, I probably would leave this out. Now, we have some members, and this is really sad, actually. We could smile a little bit and laugh a little bit. We have members of our church that play the lottery. Uh, I had somebody this week tell me, and I, I try to encourage them, uh, don't play that. Don't, don't waste your money. Don't, don't put holes in your pockets. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, 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 I want to say it's wicked. Shame on you. Uh, save your money. But they always, I've had, I don't have fingers and toes, a number of times people have told me this. Have you had this been told to you? Preacher, if I win the lottery, you're going to be blessed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you and the church. It's like, yeah, right. You know, liar, liar, pants on fire. No, you won't. If you're not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in much. And, uh, but uh, they think that's wisdom. And they think that's, that's smart to play. I told the story. I was in one of the convenience stores, so 10, 15 years ago now, I think it's been. And somebody was buying a lottery ticket, and somebody piped up and said, yeah, you can't win if you don't play. And I, for some reason, I was just in a cocky mood that day. I don't know why. But I, I, just, I just piped up, and I said, I win every time I don't play. And it was stone silence. Nobody, nobody laughed or nothing. It, was, it didn't go over big. But, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to me, don't play the lottery. It'll ruin your life. Don't, don't, uh, we, we've had, uh, this popped in my head, uh, enough years have gone by, I can say, we had, we had a, a tender of our church. They're long gone and in heaven now. I believe they're in heaven. They lost their house over gambling. A um, baptized member of Harvest Baptist Church, enough years have gone by, I can tell you that. You don't ask me who after the service who I'm talking about. Most of you wouldn't have a clue anyhow. Even you old-timers wouldn't know who I'm talking about. But I'm thinking of, uh, no, I take it back. They weren't members of our church. They just attended. And uh, they lost their house because of gambling. And uh, shame on me. But they, they were looking for gold in all the wrong places. Uh, but the word of God is, is gold. And the Bible says, more to be desired, Psalm 19.11, more to be, moreover by them as a servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And so he delivers gold, so we, we honor the elder. He, deliver, he declares God, but letter, letter, number, or letter C he is devoted to getting you glory. Now, what do you mean by that? Now, glory is all from the Lord. We understand that, but several verses, but I picked out two. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must, that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For why? For that is unprofitable for you. There is a reward day in heaven. There is a glory day, and that elder is reminding you of that constantly. First Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And so he, we honor him because we hold him in high reputation because he gives us glory. He declares to us God. He delivers to us gold, the word of God day in and day out, or service in and service out, if we will. But then we get to verse number, well, let's read the rest of verse 18 before we move forward to 19. 
Again, honor those, let the elders that rule well, verse 17, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For, thou, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox. The farmer, the smart farmer takes care of his oxen and treats them real well because, uh, that, because that's where he makes his, his uh, money, makes his income, he treads out the corn. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. But now we get to verse number 19. And notice his reputation. Against an elder, now against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. The quote, quotation is, uh, well, let me, let me, I'll give you that in a minute here. Notice, first of all, against an elder, receive not an accusation. Notice we are to guard his reputation. Did I give you the word, the R word? The word is reputation. Guard it, first of all. Don't you want people to guard your reputation, by the way? I got called this week, and I, I, I'm guarding your reputation right now because I've got to be evasive on purpose. But this week, God's my witness, is last week. I got called by somebody probing about one of the members of our church. They're not here this morning. So don't ask me again who, who that member is. And they were probing and wanted to know what their character. Uh, now I got to be careful here. I had to be careful on the phone because this person lacks you know, some character in some areas, but this person really needed to know about their character. And so I'm caught in the middle, you know, and balancing act. I'm not saying too much, but not hiding the truth either. And so I tried to balance it out and tried to explain some of the good things about this person. And then I, but they asked me some poignant questions that I either had to lie or answer, tell, give them the truth. And so I, I tried to obfuscate, but I, I eventually had to concede. They knew by my hymn-hawing what uh, I probably was implying, of course, what they had already figured out themselves. But... Uh, my goal was to guard their reputation, even though I knew some bad things about them. Titus 3.2 says, Speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so guard his reputation, especially the elders. Uh, two things about that. Don't gripe about him. Uh, whether it be the Apostle Paul, they, many, in fact, the Jewish church were looking at Galatians 1, uh, on Wednesday nights. The Jewish church, there's a reason why the Apostle Paul had, was not rescued by the Jewish church. Most of them were Jews, of course, and Paul, they were, he, he had apostated from the faith and went to the Gentiles. They didn't, you know, they said, well, Paul's getting what he deserves. They didn't support him too much, to be honest with you. Paul, Paul was chastened, and we have several passages of Scripture in the Corinthians that teach about Paul's being despised by even some of the brethren. Same with Timothy. Moses, I've already alluded to Moses. Joshua and Caleb, I touched on them. David, all were criticized. And all these leaders, by the way, with the exception of maybe Timothy, but we don't know from a biblical point of view, but all these leaders were so criticized that people wanted to have them killed. That's how criticized they were, of course. Don't grab about him. By the way, it doesn't matter who the president is, so... Uh, the president, current president, or even the past president. People have criticized him, and, and some of them would even want to kill him, of course. That's the price of leadership. Don't, don't gripe about him, but the, the fill-in-the-blank P word is pray for him. 
The Bible tells us that we're to pray for leaders. We had a whole message on that. Pray for your pastors. God says that's so important. So don't gripe about him, pray for him. But then number two, underneath guard him, guard his reputation, don't gang up on him. It's so easy to gang up. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some, a handful of folks, maybe I don't want to think it'll have been one single person, but I mean, I mean, I'm making a calling post call yesterday about, well, I think we're going to keep our doors open. Some people say, you know, they didn't say these words, but they're deep down in the recesses of their heart. That idiot, that pastor, how, how silly of him, how stupid, and maybe not, probably not, but there could have been a handful of people. I wouldn't blame them if they felt that way. <laughs> wouldn't blame them a bit, uh, of course, but don't gang up on them. You know, they go back to precedents for a while. They take a daily opinion poll, you know, daily uh, popularity poll. You know, how, do you approve of the president, how the president's doing his job? You know, every day, you know, every day. Well, the polls, president's polls are way up, down. Every leader goes through that. And, uh, well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be subjected to that type of scrutiny, every one of us here. I mean, I'd be up one day and way down the next day, that's for sure. Uh, we, uh, the democracy is a dangerous thing. I referenced Numbers 14, and there uh, Joshua and Caleb came back with the great news. Hey, the grapes of Esco grow, and the, the land that flows with milk and honey. And the ten spies, of course, said what they said. You know the story, don't you? And what did the con- all the congregation do? Rise up, and they wanted to kill. They wanted to stone Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. And they were, they were only, it's so easy to pile on. And so guard his reputation, the Bible says. Against an elder, receive not a, an accusation. And then uh, accept to be before two or three witnesses. So that leads me to letter B. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Give him the benefit of the doubt. In other words, the, the verse here references Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not rise up against any man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two or three witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And I didn't have room on the worksheet. I ran out of room on the back of the bulletin, of course, but I, I, I put down, go to him, Matthew 18, verses 15 to 18. When, you know, elders make mistakes, preachers make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes, and, and if you see a brother overtaking the fall, go to him and say in question. I've had people... Uh, many times things can be straightened out very quickly, and maybe sometimes maybe the elder is absolutely innocent. Maybe sometimes he's absolutely guilty. But as pointed out in love, he can, and I've said it many times, there's a big difference between criticism and critiquing, or, and uh, I appreciate critiquing. None of us care for criticism, really, but uh, sometimes it's, it's well-founded, admittedly. That leads me to verse number 20, and it seems to end on a negative note, but not really. Bible says, verse number 20, them that sin, now this is in the context of the elder, the teaching elder, rebuke before all, that others also may fear. And so notice they're reproving, they're reproving, verse number, uh, Roman numeral number five. Them that sin rebuke before all. I don't know if I told this story, it's very sensitive, enough years have gone by, I can finally get away with giving the more accurate illustration or example. Uh, Sonny and I were out in California, I think it's been 15 years ago now. Maybe 16, 17, I can't remember. It's been a lot of years ago now. 
And uh, we uh, actually preached at a church uh, someday, uh, enough years ago, but I'll tell you how that all unfolded. I preached at a certain church. I'll leave the town and name you've all heard of it. And I actually preached there. And I preached for a pastor. Did I ever tell you this? And we have children here, so I'm going to be a little evasive on purpose. That's, that went to prison. He went to prison for, are you ready for this? A 40-something-year-old man. I preached in his pulpit. He started the church. He went to prison for 212 years. And he committed a crime, didn't kill anybody, uh, committed a crime that most people get a slap on the wrist for and maybe spend a year or two years in. But the judge threw the proverbial book at him because of the, he said these words, if anybody should have known right or wrong, it should have been you. In this case, a Baptist preacher. He could have murdered 10 people and got a lighter sentence and he got for, for his crime. And I'm not excusing his crime. What he did was despicable. But I don't know if it was worthy. I don't think it was worthy of 212 years of prison. But the, the point is, uh, verse number 20 again, it says, them that sin rebu rebuke before all. And so letter A, public sin should be confessed publicly. And the world doesn't understand that today. But it's true, especially with elders. Now, there's, the purpose is not to fill in these last blanks here in letter A. It's not to shame. That's not the goal. Many people, they, they want to shame. And, and, of course, there's already shame. I remember when I, most of us old folks remember this name. I remember when Jimmy Swaggart, many years ago, how many remember that event the first time? I, I've never been a Pentecostal, but I, and he's been a Pentecostal preacher all his life. He's still preaching, as far as I know. And uh, he, he, he fell into immorality, did something egregious, of course. Many of you know that. And I can still see, his, see him on television uh, repenting in front of the world. I, I actually remember feeling sorry for him. I actually felt that he was sincere. And Lord knows his heart. I, I don't want to judge otherwise. Later on, it happened again, of course. Some of you probably know that. And he wasn't so repentant the second time. He was basically, mind your own business, uh, the second time, the first time, I granted, I, I felt sorry for the man, and he messed up. But the, the goal in public confession is not to embarrass or to shame, but to sanctify, to cleanse, and to correct, and to send a warning to other people as well. And so that's the reason you say that's harsh, but this, this is God's words. God says to do this. That leads me to letter B in our last little M outline we got going here. Be mindful of this. All make mistakes. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just simply saying all are sinners. If I ask you the question, David and... David and... Uh, somebody said Goliath. Who said Goliath? God bless you. Now, if you don't get to say David and Goliath, David and... You gossips, you, you know... That's what we think about, don't we, sadly? We think about when a name comes to mind, we usually think many sad times are depraved nature. We think of the worst event in their life, you know, the, the, their time that they fell. That's what we think about. That's our depraved minds. Be, remember this, all make mistakes. Paul said in our quote of the verse, he's, he's the least of all saints, he said. He's the chief of sinners, he called himself. He had Christians killed, and he, he knew who, who he was. And he, he humbled himself. Most people know that they've made mistakes, and so all make mistakes. Two-word uh, uh, 
conclusion here, before semi-conclusion, I guess. Remember mercy. O Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? What if the most, and I, in the deep recesses of your mind, was the most egregious sin that you've ever been guilty of committing? Would you want it up there on the screen for everybody to see? I think all of us would shudder. I think all of us would find it, want to find a place to find a, a place to hide. I don't think any of us would want to. We couldn't stand before God, or how could we stand before man? And remember mercy. But then, the the goal for for public chastisement is not to shame again. It's to to, to bring cleansing, to bring purifying, bring sanctity. Work towards mending. Next little fill-in-the-blank word. We're in the mending business. That's what pastors are in the mending business. Uh, well, we're almost out of time here, but I... The reason why you can put up with me is because you don't know everything that I've ever done in my life. The reason why I can put up with you is because I don't know everything you've done in your life. If we knew you did that... You despicable person, you. We, but the pastor is giving to the, for the Ephesians 4.12, for the mending of the saints. That word mending has to do with, 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 with or the perfecting of the saints, rather, has to do with mending. This is a hospital. I've said it a hundred times. We come here because we're sick people. We're, we're, uh, we've had, we're sinful people. We need to come and we need to have healing and cleansing and rectifying and find the truth and get the bandage. There's a healing bomb in Gilead. And so we're about mending. Galatians 6.1 says, ye that are spiritual and uh, brethren, if you see a man overtaken and fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So we all make mistakes. Remember mercy, work towards mending. Make mention and memory of their good. There's uh, and I uh, use Second Samuel verses one nineteen and twenty. David eulogized Saul, uh, Saul, King Saul. Of course, Saul was a wicked man. He had priests killed. He had he his, one of his last acts, recorded acts, was uh, conferring with the witch of Endor. But David said in his death, he said, "The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How art the mighty fallen?" He said, "Tell it not in Gath. Don't publish it. Talk about the good things." There's a certain pastor, and I, he's in my mind right now, and I won't tell you, you won't know who he is anyhow, but he's a certain pastor, and he had a fall from grace. You'll never find out about that from me. Tell Don Gath. If I met him today, he goes by his first name now. He's still alive, and uh, he's, uh, not, he'll never be able to pastor again. Uh, hopefully, he's in, still in church somewhere. Hopefully, he's serving God. And uh, I would introduce you to brother, I'll say his name is John, his first name's not John, but uh, hey, this is brother John, uh, you know, good guy, loves the Lord and so forth. But I know brother John, his name's not John, I know his past, I know what he did. It doesn't need to be broadcast to everybody in the world. It's already, he already suffered his shame, and hopefully he got cleansing and so forth. But we are to honor and respect old men, elder men with wisdom for their longevity, for their their lowliness for their, their lordship to Christ. They bring much to the table. And I just want to end in with a, uh, a, a, 
uh, application of, and will be done here. Uh, honor our fathers. Honor you kids that have grandparents that are alive. Honor your grandparents. I really like that one myself nowadays uh, about honoring grandparents. You know, uh, whether you're a kid uh, or grandkids, honor your grandparents. They bring much to life. They're so important in life, and they help us in, the, in our in our daily living. And they're they're not a liability. They're an asset to family and to church. And um, I was hoping Brother Wayne would be here, but I realized he wasn't going to be here with this weather, of course. But I'm glad Brother Sadler got here because he's our senior statesman this morning here. And I think of all that he brings to our table. And then and I'm looking at some older, other old guys like Brother Mark there. He's bald-headed. He's got to be an old guy, you know. So, and, uh, and so, <laughs> and so uh, but with that comes wisdom, and we honor them, of course, and, and, uh, and uh, thank God for them. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, thank you for the senior statesmen that you've given in our church. Lord, we pray for all of them, Lord. I think of Brother Beam, Lord. I know he hasn't been here in over a year. And Lord, how much he loves you. And how for many, many years he read the Bible through out loud uh, and recorded it in old cassette tapes, uh, 13 or 15 recordings, I guess he did. The Lord, uh, times through the Bible. And Lord, I pray you'd bless all of our senior saints, or senior, senior men especially. Help us to walk with you, dear God, we pray. And help us to... Lord, honor those that you called, you said to honor the hoary head, or honor the, the aged gentleman that uh, walks in lowliness and, and uh, has longevity and walks with the Lordship of Christ. Lord, thank you for our church. Lord, dismisses thy blessing here in moments, and we'll thank you for it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll sing a verse of uh, Brother Caleb. You got something there for us?